You're listening to the Southampton Delivery Podcast, a podcast dedicated to the Southampton Football Club and all of the SFC fans. If you want to have guarantees, you have to buy a washing machine. Either we win or we learn, and today we learn. Abdacha, Austin, Shotagizabi. It's in field to Mane, 25 yards out. Lovely ball for Pella. Onside, 1 0. Blue fast shot. Oh my word. It's unbelievable. He ran around a bit like Bambi on ice. It was very, very embarrassing to watch. And now, your host, Matt Markstone. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Southampton Delivery Podcast, a podcast and newsletter dedicated to the Southampton Football Club and all of the SFC fans, available right here on SouthamptonDelivery.com. My name is Matt Markson. I am the host of the show, and no matter where you are, no matter how you may be listening, whether this is your first time or you've been here before, thanks for making the show part of your day. I hope that you enjoy it. Before we get to my conversation with Chris Rand, you can find on Twitter at CRStig, uh, who used to run a website called George Weah's Cousin, which we will talk about briefly as well. Before we get to that, I have a couple of things to admit to you. Um, One, if there are little ears listening to this show, maybe this isn't quite the episode. Uh, Nothing too terrible, but definitely not clean. It's even marked explicit in um, iTunes on purpose, which doesn't normally happen, but that's the way it is. Uh, Secondly, we did not wait for the Everton match to record this. We recorded this on Saturday, and we did it because... uh, having talked to Chris and messaged him back and forth and kind of figured out what we were going to discuss, the Everton match didn't really matter. And and not that we would not have, you know, perhaps changed our minds slightly or Chris wouldn't have had some different things to say. We did leave uh, some room to uh, come back and talk if necessary, but given the result, which you all saw uh, or heard about, or, you know, are still hiding from, um, you know, it, it wasn't there. And some of the things that we, we discussed, in this episode with Chris, uh, showed up again in the Everton match. So um, I, I'll be very honest with you. I'm not a Ralph out person, but I am definitely moving towards the uh, the camp of he needs to be criticized and some things need to change with him. Not that there aren't a lot of other things that need to change around the club, but um, the results are not happening. The performances are not happening. And um, hopefully this, this this comes to you and it's it's somewhat enjoyable, although I'm not sure if it will be, but uh, I can tell you what I did enjoy. And that was talking to Chris in the first place. Uh, Chris is always a lot of fun. He's always brutally honest. And that's part of what makes him uh, so much fun to talk to in terms of, uh, of coming on the show, because oftentimes I don't want to say things. I don't want to be critical. I don't want to be, um, or I should say, I don't want to be overly critical uh, of Ralph or other players. And sometimes though they need it. And uh, Chris doesn't shy away from that. So like I said before, you can follow Chris on Twitter at CRStig. The link is in the show notes. George Way's cousin no longer up and running, but uh, we'll talk about that as well. And last thing before we go into the interview, I drank way too much on Friday night, talked to him early Saturday morning. So I apologize for the tone of my voice, but um, hope you enjoy it. Hope it's more enjoyable than watching Saints over the last uh, eight, nine matches. But anyway, thanks for listening. I'll talk to you on the other side. I'd like to welcome back to the Southampton Delivery Podcast, Chris Rand. You can find him on Twitter at CRStig. Uh, it's been a long time. 
Uh, you've, I think, three different countries from, from where you were last time, but welcome back, and, and how are you? I'm good, Matt. How are you? I'm doing all right. Um, I jokingly told you before, uh, best way to prepare for a podcast, uh, three quarters of a bottle of wine, two pints, and you know, no, almost no sleep. So uh, it's, been a, it's been a great weekend so far, and it's only 8.30 on a Saturday morning, so I'm doing all right. Better than Saints, I guess, as well. So uh, there, there's that. Yeah, I think some of the players have been having that before they play. <laughs> um, yeah, I think uh, my head also feels about how Che Adams' head felt after he got kicked uh, a couple of weeks back. But, you know, we'll be okay. So um, anyway, I, I've been excited to talk to you. It's been, it's been a long time, as we said. Um, you, you've traded Dubai for the south of, of England. And uh, I just have to ask you... Uh, What's it been like to adjust to that weather? And I guess you went, you know, part uh, via Ukraine. So maybe it wasn't so bad coming back to, maybe this is more moderate than what you were uh, living through in, in Ukraine. Um, yeah, I mean, it's, bit, it's been a bit strange because I've come straight back into uh, lockdown. So really, I've, uh, it, it hasn't really mattered which, which country I've been in. Um, I, I had freedom in Ukraine, actually, because uh, they haven't really done a lot about COVID. And then I've come to the UK just as they went into lockdown again so uh i've just been sitting indoors at the weekends because i'm i'm not with my family at the moment i've been sitting indoors at the weekends letting saints ruin my life basically yeah well welcome to the club um (laughs) and and you now have to suffer that by yourself instead of uh with the banali stand and everybody else in it uh in dubai so i mean are you missing that aspect of it Oh, 100%, yeah. I mean, the, the social side we had in Dubai was great. And of course, going and meeting the guys to watch the games meant it was uh, always like a six-point Saturday. Mm-hmm. Now, now I'm sitting at home on my own, I might have a cup of tea, so I don't even, I don't even have the, the, the warm embrace of alcohol. Yeah, yeah. It's, uh, I, I only know, you know, watching by myself the, the, you know, the anniversary, I think, of the, the League Cup final uh, just passed and people are sharing pictures and I have, you know, I think I have one picture of, me watching a game with other fans. And I think it's only ever been three or four matches I've ever watched with other people, which is weird. Um, so it's actually quite strange whenever I get to do that. Um, but it, uh, there definitely is, is something to uh, just kind of the group being there for, for support to celebrate and all that stuff. And then, especially when things go like this, you, you could just kind of want to be able to talk to somebody, which is why it's fortunate. I'm very fortunate to be able to do the show and, and, and do that. And, uh, I'm glad you're you're coming on to talk to me as well because it's, it's like I said it's been a long time and uh, hopefully you'll uh, enjoy getting to, getting to talk about it a little bit. But yeah, I mean watching watching the game with other people in a bar or or wherever that sort of tribe mentality naturally comes out and you sort of convince frustrations at each other. So I'm not sure what whether I found the correct outlet for frustrations when I'm just sat watching it on my own to be honest. Yeah, yeah. Um, but, I'll, I'll get there. Well, and I, I guess I'll just ask you this. Are you, are you going to bring back the website as long as you're by yourself? Or is that, is that, is that a, a, a far gone uh, a thing of the past? Yeah, that's, that's a thing of the past. Uh, that's officially retired. Um, I, did, I did, funnily enough, last week renew, renew the domain name. Uh, I was going to let it die, but I still have email on it and stuff. So I did renew it. But there's no, no plans to, to uh, have the website up ever again at, at this point. All right. Well, if, if George Ware's cousin was live, what would what would the headline what would the headline be what would what would be on the front page right now well i think it'd be pretty bleak um i i like it to always be humorous so i'd like to think there would be some good sort of gallows humor in there um there would certainly uh be a, a lack of support for the manager right now um you know i i saw a tweet 
and I can't remember who tweeted it, so I'm, unfortunately I can't credit them, but the best tweet I've seen for ages about things, and it said Ralph Hasselhoff Ralph Hasselhoff is the best shit manager we've ever had. <laughs> it, just made me, it just just made me laugh. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, it, you you look at the recent run of managers, and and it, I was actually just looking at the like the points per game, and it's not. Uh, I don't want to get into it yet, but it's it's not it's not all that impressive, um, which sucks. But uh, we'll, we'll we'll come on to that. Uh, we do have a question here, and and it's been you know obviously. Um, for people who don't know, you used to run a website called georgewilliamscousin.com. Um, it was humorous. There was a lot of stuff going on. And then I think just as time went on, uh, you, you know, your priorities change a little bit, right? You, you got a family and everything else. Um, but uh, Jimmy Lee Knight says he just wants me to ask you if you really like football. And I'm going to say still, like, <laughs> so do you? <laughs> uh, yeah, so um, I know Jimmy quite well. Uh, and I know what, I know what he's getting at. Uh, we both used to play for the same uh, football team on the Isle of Wight called Plessy uh, Reserve. And uh, there was a game where I was on the bench and uh, I was stood there and there was, there was an interestingly shaped pink in my shorts. And oh. uh, the running joke became that maybe I was a little bit too excited to be playing football. Right. And ever since then, I mean, we're talking 20 years ago and these guys still always ask me if I really love football. Well, that's, a, so that's, I mean, that, that's, that's, that's an in-joke that, that, that has come through there. All right. Well, I like it. Um, <laughs> and I always like to be let in on, on, on some of the stuff because sometimes you, I, I've made mistakes in the past where there's been a question that I'm, I go, obviously this is some sort of inside joke. So I kind of like sneak it in, build it up, don't show it to the guest and then say, oh, so-and-so said this. And they're just like, who is that? I don't, I don't know. And it's like, oh, so I'm glad that this one actually is there. Uh, and, and it's a real thing and you know who he is. And um, yeah. Yeah, and unfortunately, probably Saints haven't haven't gotten you that excited in some time, as we we kind of just discussed, you know. Uh, um, definitely not. No, yeah. Uh, so I just want to get your thoughts. When Ralph first took charge of Saints, you know what what was your what were your thoughts initially on him coming into the club, and and just given the managers that he was he was replacing and the kind of run that we were on, you know, prior to that, um, how were you feeling when he first came in? Um, I, I was excited about the undoubtedly um, he was. Uh, someone I didn't know a lot about, but I'd certainly heard of. You know, we'd, we'd just come off the back of Mark Hughes, which was a, a pragmatic appointment at the time, but was never going to excite us long term. And uh, the appointment of Hathnagel felt like we were sort of refer- uh, going back to tithe in bringing in, like, maybe not the, the most, the highest reputation, but, the, but an exciting young European uh, progressive manager. And, you know, since he, since he came in, the initial feelings towards him were great. We went, we'd gone from sort of dreadful football under the previous two managers to this exciting, high press, high energy um, style. And, you know, until the first 9-0, and, you know, I'm going to hop at the fact that I'm having to say the first 9-0, which is, you know, shocking. Uh, everything, everything seemed like it wasn't perfect, but, you know, this was a guy that was going to improve us generally. Um, the, the first time this came along, and actually it was the last time I spoke to you, uh, uh, was when we got together after that 9 mil to talk about it. And I said he had to go at that point. Um, and because I just couldn't see a way back from that. that, that's, that you know, that's such a, such a bad result. That's, there's, no, there's no excuse for that result, effectively. There's no, you can't make any excuse for that. You, you can't say we had a player sent off early. It doesn't matter. You, 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 at, at professional elite sporting level, you don't lose 9-0. Yeah. 
you know, just, it's just not something you do. You, you do whatever you can to make sure that you only lose three nil or four nil, and you and you take that on the chin and say we had to play a sent off, we had to dig in, but we came out of it as best we could. So I said when we met last time, he has to go, and then I was quite happy to be proved wrong because as as you as you're well aware, he turned that around. You know, against all against all odds, it felt like he turned he turned that around, and, and he and he and he took. A season where we looked like we were in so much trouble and, and heading nowhere but down, he turned that round and we had such a good finish to the season. And all of a sudden, you know, every, everything was forgiven and all is rugby again. And it looked like, you know, we've still got the right man in, in place and I've been supportive of him ever since. Mm-hmm. Until recently. Because what it feels like has started happening is that we're on a, a cycle cycle of good spell, bad spell, good spell, bad spell, good spell, bad spell, um, which is fine. But the problem is, you know, it's fine because we're not. In all reality, in any way you look at it, Southampton aren't ever going to be competing for the league title. We're just not. Unless we get taken over by a Saudi prince or something, that's just not going to happen. Right. So having good spell and bad spell, there's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing, I don't, I don't want to be labelled as someone who's just attacking him when he's, you know, having a a bad spell and, and it, it will come good. That's fine. And it might well come good. But when we're good, we're very good. But when we're bad, we are absolutely atrocious. And that's, that's the bit that's really got to me. And are we really going to go for it? Is, is, is this period of good spell, bad spell acceptable? Oh, do we accept that as a lot? You know, are we gonna, every, every year are we going to get beat 9-0? Are we going to get beat 8 or 9-0 at least once? Are we going to have a run of games where we where we just capitulate? Is that is that the what we want from Southampton Football Club right now? Because I'm going to be honest with you. I'm going to use quite a strong word. I'm embarrassed at the moment. I'm embarrassed by the the situation the club is in. You know, we're making us a laughing stock at the moment. We're easily beaten. Yeah, well, that that is one of those things that that does stand out, and it's it is concerning because you you know up until now, I would I would think that even given some of the results, the players and the manager, everybody seemed to be mostly on the same page. And, the, and, and I should say that the players that weren't on the same page were moved out, right? Like those, the players that aren't um, in Ralph's plans have been kind of moved on, but he, he kind of hinted or mentioned after, after the Leeds match that the players kind of, you know, gave up essentially. And we've seen that, you know, uh, we were talking beforehand, um, you know, the, the Leeds ma- matches are predictable, uh, decent first half probably won't score. Uh, as the second half goes on, we will tire and capitulate. And then, you know, and Lee just ran rampant uh, all over us in the second half. And it was, you know, it was disappointing and it was uh, upsetting. And as you said, at some point, I think you're allowed to say that it's, it's, it's embarrassing the way the club is being handled. And I think that goes not just for the manager, but from the top to, to the bottom. And and so um, I, I guess, you know, is it is it the results that are that have have changed your opinion of, of Ralph now? And and because I'm I'm guessing there aren't very many people on uh, social media that are being vocal about wanting the manager out. Um, and you, I think when you were raising the question and the in the method or the the way you went about kind of raising that is when when is it okay to to ask questions of Ralph? And I think I think we've reached that point now where it's time to question. 
some of the things, but what for you was like kind of pushed you towards that? Well, uh, it's not, it's not just the results that I've been supporting South in a long time. We've had some pretty terrible teams who have produced some pretty terrible results. It's the manner of the results coupled with the manner of the performances uh, that make them embarrassing. Embarrassing to what? It's the way that we have, a, we have a team now that in the face of any sort of adversity just capitulates, just gives up and says, okay, well, that's us lost then. You know, Old Trafford was a case in point. We had, we had, we had injury problems. Alex Jankovic, he's a kid. He's a kid who's never played first team football. He gets put in the team. He does something silly. Okay, you know, it happens. When you're an elite level Premier League manager, when you, get, when you have a player sent off early, what happens next is anything but you lose 9-0. Like, it just it, to watch that unfold for a second time in, you know, barely a 12 months, I just could, I was just in despair. Like, I'm not an elite level, elite level Premier League manager. I'm not an elite level coach. But I know that in that situation, you shut up shop. You do what you have to do to, to make to, to limit the damage. And you know the nine nils are. I don't want to beat him just on the nine nils. I, I really don't. But the reality is that professional football clubs have 120, 150 year history and don't get beat nine nil twice. Yeah, we've done it. We've done it in just over twelve months. Yeah, Ma- managers managers have 30, 40 year careers and don't get beat nine nil twice. And he's achieved that in just over 12 months. Um, is everything at the club his fault? No. There are other factors. Uh, recruitment has been poor. Uh, the, the owner perhaps isn't as interested as we might like him to be. Um, we've had injuries. Injuries, I don't take an excuse because every, everyone has injuries. Every club has injuries, spells of injuries. That is your job as a manager. You've got to, you've got to suck it up and get on with it. Um, and there's a problem for me, and this is the one I get criticised the most about when I bring it up with people, is we seem to have developed as a club a weak mentality. And what I mean by that is, as soon as something happens that goes against us, and it might be we have suffered with bad refereeing decisions, mm-hmm. it might be that when one of those decisions happens and it goes against us, we just give up. Mm-hmm. Now, that's the opposite mentality to what you need. When, when things go against you, that's when you should dig in and say, well, I'm not going to accept this. I'm going to fight back and I'm going to win another way. We have a decision against us and we see it's like, it's almost like the mentality of the team is, oh, well, that seems to get gone against us. So we can lose now and just complain about that. Well, that's not, that's not acceptable. No. And from, as far as I'm concerned, that mentality of the squad comes from the manager. And I, I, I worry that the adversity he's, he's faced in the in two nine nils, et cetera, et cetera, I think maybe it's broken his mentality and that is now feeding through to the team. Um, I, I take it all the way back. The last game we won was when we beat Liverpool at home and the manager cried on the pitch. Um, now, I'm not saying he, he, he doesn't have the right to be emotional in that situation, but I, I'm not going to lie, I just lost a little bit of respect for him that night. Um, you know, save that for behind closed doors. Don't don't do that on the pitch in front of everybody. I, if I was as a supporter was watching that, a little bit cringed and thinking, oh, you know, what's he doing? That's embarrassing. Maybe some of the first team players felt the same way, and if they started to lose a bit of respect for him, maybe that accounts for the fact that we've not won a game since. You know, 
nine Premier League games or whatever it is, eight or nine Premier League games with only one point in. If, if, if the manager is showing a weak mentality, then that could go some way to explaining why the team is showing a weak mentality and not isn't robust in those situations. You know, we, I don't buy that. I, I do, sorry, I do buy that there is a problem with squad depth. Mm. What I don't buy is that our squad is not good enough to be doing better than it is. That I do not buy. Okay. Um, there's, there's a level of, you know, we discussed it before, some, a lot of Saints fans, and I think you summed it up brilliantly actually when we were talking before this, um, a lot of Saints fans have emotionally invested in Ralph Hasselhoff. And that is linkering them almost and not being able to criticise him when something, something goes wrong. But, you know, for all the good he's done and all the good, the good records he's broken, he's also lost 9-0 twice, and he's now responsible for our worst ever run of results in the top flight. Mm-hmm. You know, those things, those things can't be ignored. You know, whether you like him, love him, whatever, I like him. You know, I'm not, I don't dislike the guy, I, I like the guy. But those things can't be ignored. And... The, the other thing that really concerns me amongst all of this is that while we're on this run, the Telegraph is running a story saying Ralph Hasenhutl has the safest job in the Premier League. Right. Now, now how on earth, how can that in any way be a healthy situation when someone is so underperforming, yet the national news story from a paper that we know has close links with, with the club, so it's probably telling the truth, is saying he's got the safest job in the Premier League. Where's his motivation to improve mm-hmm. or, or, or fix the problem? You know, I worry that perhaps his relationship with Martin Simmons, where, albeit it's good that the manager and the chairman or, or whoever have a good relationship, maybe it's a little bit too close and maybe they're too friendly and now there's, there's no separation between friendship and business. Yeah. Because football is, football is a business. You know, there's a real risk for us this season. I, I, people on Twitter don't seem to agree with me, but there's a real risk now this season that we can go, we can get relegated. Now, the, the, the commercial and the business impact of that happening is huge. Yeah. So, for all the people that reply to me saying, oh, well, who would you replace him with? My response is simple. I don't know who you replace him with. That is, that is a fair point. It's not like there's ready-made managers waiting in the wings. Do you just accept the same thing going wrong week in, week out, and just leave it because there's no one else? To me, you don't do that. Uh, the saying goes, there's a change is as good as a rest. Um, and for me, if I was in charge of Saints right now, if we don't, if we don't win on Monday, it should go. Because we're, we're free fall into relegation. Mm-hmm. And I don't see any way out of it. I don't see that he has any way out of it. I thought we turned the corner against Chelsea because one of my big issues with, with Ralph is he plays his way and, it, and it's very exciting. It's great when it works. But when it doesn't work, he doesn't change it. Mm-hmm. He, doesn't make, he, doesn't, he doesn't make subs quick enough. He doesn't, he doesn't adapt to the game situation. If I, was an, if I was an opposition manager and I was playing Saints at the moment, I would be saying to my team, right, what we're, what we're going to do First half, we're going to let them wear themselves out. We're just going to stay tight at the back. We're going to let them wear themselves out, knocking the ball around, pressing up. And then second half, we're just going to blitz them. Yeah. Because they'll just, they'll collapse. Because that's what they're doing every single game. And, you know, Chelsea, I thought he turned a corner. It's the Chelsea game. He changed the shape. He adapted the team. He shut up shop a little bit. It wasn't as pretty. 
but we got a good point. Then we went there, so I thought, you know, here we go. He's, 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 he's seen a way to change this situation. Then we went to Leeds, and it was just it was just exactly back to how it was before. Play well first half, don't don't get anything out of it. Second half, collapse. We could have we, if we'd have lost six or seven nil against Leeds, we couldn't have complained. They were that better, that much better than us in the second half. They were all over us. They, you know, Romero made that tackle that probably that was probably a goal saving tackle. Uh, you know, we could have been destroyed again. So I don't blame Ralph completely, but I think right now he is one of the biggest problems at the club rather than one of the solutions. Yeah, and I would say that when he first came in, it looked like he was going to be, you know, one of the solutions. And then, of course, we had. Uh, you know, a, a not necessarily a great run out with him uh, initially, but you know, the closing out last season when the the playbook was implemented and that identifiable style of play, which I think excited a lot of a lot of fans because, like as you said, it is exciting to watch. Like when the team are are clicking, like they are. We've seen how good they can be, right? Like we've seen we've seen us beat other teams, and I. I understood when managers like like Pellegrino and Hughes to an extent, you know, uh, extra defenders, and and we all kind of agreed or thought that the the team wasn't good enough to do this. And then you look at at um, at some of the, the the improvements that that Ralph has made in certain players um, and and things like that. And I was excited to to see somebody that wasn't necessarily so reactionary to what other teams were doing. But I think Ralph has is probably gone. I mean, or, or would you say that Ralph has gone maybe too far the other direction where he is he is so uh, dogmatic in his approach to, to the way football should be played that uh, he's actually causing us harm in, in bringing these, some of these results on us that way? Well, I think, I think unless, when you're a manager, unless you've got a billion-pound assembled squad like a Liverpool or a Man City or even a Man United, uh, Chelsea, you can't be set in your ways in terms of how you're going to play because you don't you simply don't have the squad to, to do it every week in week out mm-hmm. and you have to you don't have the talent to know that your game plan will work no matter who you're playing against so when we're playing certain other teams where it's not going to work that you have to be adaptable to say like today we're not going to play that way and he, and he did that against Chelsea that's the most frustrating thing about it yeah. that's exactly what he did at Chelsea, for, for the Chelsea game and he got a result and he was unlucky not to get a win. You know, if, if not for Danny Ings' ridiculous tackles, he would have won that game. Yeah. And, you know, we'd, we'd, we'd be let, we'd be, there'd be a lot less pressure on him now from, from fans if we'd have won that game. If he wins that game, then the Leeds game doesn't become such a disaster. But because he only took a point in that game, the Leeds game became almost like a must-win game. Yeah. And, you know, things, I know it's difficult and I know people don't, think that we've got the right manager in place but my, my concern is that if the club feel the same way you know at what point do, they, do, they, do we say enough's enough do we, is it when we've lost you know is it another three games when we haven't, we haven't won again is it when we lose the cup, the cup game is it when we're in the relegation zone or is it when we've, we've been relegated at what point do they, do they go well actually you know maybe we're putting a little bit too much faith in this guy yeah. and and it's backfired on us. I don't know. My my concern is really that he he is a good manager. He clearly can can get a team to play in a good way. 
but does he have anything else about him? I mean, with the, for want of a better saying, is, is he a one-trick pony? Yeah. And if the trick and if the trick isn't working, then there's no there's no way out. And if the trick really doesn't work, then you end up on the end of a severe a severe beating. Mm-hmm. Um, the other thing is when when I criticise him and people come back to me and say, "Oh, would you rather go back to Hughes? Would you rather go back to Pellegrino? You know, would you rather go back to Lord Hill?" No, I wouldn't. But of course, I wouldn't. But what I what I say in return is those managers that took a lot of stick a lot earlier than Ralph has. In, the, in terms of performances and points, they didn't have the best free kick taker in, in the Premier League at their disposal and a 20, 20 season striker in Danny Ings. But if you, if you take those two things away from Ralph, where, where, where is this current thing squad? Yeah. Where is his balancing? Probably already fighting around the bottom three. Yeah. You know, he, he has two superb we- weapons at his disposal that a lot of Saints managers don't have the luxury of. So, as much as he, he's done some very good things at the club, and he has, and Ward Prowse is partly his responsibility because he has improved that player considerably. So, I give him credit for that. I'm not saying Ward Prowse was ready made for him when he turned up. Right. But Ings was probably. Ings was a ready made player effectively when he came. If you take those players away, it, you worry about the substances. Um, you know, Danny Ings is going to leave thanks in the summer. I'd I, I put good money on that. And if we stay in the Premier League this season, where do we see us next season without Danny Ings up front? Yeah. It's, it's, quite, it's quite worrying, especially if we don't have, if we have the same manager in place and he's not prepared to change the way he plays in certain games. I, I, I want to go back a little bit. I don't, I'm not going to do the, the Twitter argument thing like, oh, do you want to go back to this or that? Because I don't think that's, that's not a productive conversation, right? Like, um, but sure. I, I, I do want to go back to the, the mentality stuff a, a little bit. And when I look and when I think back and I could be wrong because, you know, uh, we, we remember things differently than they actually were. But if I think back to the team under, under Hughes uh, and Pellegrino and, and Puel to an extent, I don't really remember us being like a, a super resilient team. I, I still felt then like the players would start to collapse as games went on. And, and, and I don't think it was normally like uh, a refereeing decision or something like that that went against us that caused us to do it. But we would finally allow the goal in after kind of defending for, for 65, 70 minutes. And then we would have a mistake and then that was it. And we, were ne- we never looked like we're, we were coming back um, into that. And when I look at the team, I guess the, the run out of, of last season or the run in from last season, um, we looked what I thought to be a little bit different, but the players had had time off. They had had time to learn the system. They, you know, they, they, they can do that sprint over a three month period when, the, especially if it's only one game a week. Um, and, and so plan A was working and, and everything was fine, but Danny Ings kind of, you know, hasn't been firing on, on, on all cylinders this season. Uh, the you know the performance of severely outperforming XG and all that other stuff um, kind of signals that there's something not quite right with with the approach with the players with the squad with something and and so I'm not I, I guess I, I don't know like the mentality of the of the squad itself I don't want to get too too far from that do you, I mean do you think that is that is a a Ralph thing or do you think that's a 
that's a player thing. And then how do you feel? Cause Ralph obviously is a very emotional um, person. He, he, you can see it um, in kind of all aspects of his management, but like how much of the, how much of that is, is, is Ralph versus the squad. And I think, I, I, I think it's probably, of course, it's probably a, a, a concoction of, of the two. You know, if you're, if you're a Premier League footballer, to a point, there has to be a level of self-motivation. You know, you assume, perhaps wrongly, that when a footballer steps over the white line into a game, they have a will to win. They have a will to win that game, no matter who they're playing, who they're playing for, who they're playing against. But at the same time, it's the manager's job to make sure that they're, motiv- they're motivated and that mentality is in the right place. You know, we, we say this thing, like we've said it several times already, the amount of times we play well in the first half and then collapse in the second half. Is that just purely that we run out of steam, or is that because the motivational chat at half time is just non-existent, or or is Ralph saying the wrong thing to them? I don't know. I, I think there's some, you know, the worst thing that can happen with a manager is that the players stop buying into what he says. Now, if that happened the same, it would definitely explain a run of poor results. And if if the likes of if the senior players, the key players like Ings and etc., stop stop buying into what he's saying. You know, there's only one way that ends. Um, either we, we go down with a whimper, or the club the club acts and changes the manager. You know, player power player power is a very real thing. Mm-hmm. If the players give up on a manager, the manager's got no chance but, but to to go. You know, the club won't won't stand by. At some point, someone at the club will go. If we get relegated, this is a massive financial hit. So you can love Ralph all you like, but we cannot take that risk. Um, I, I don't know the answer, Matt. Is, is, is the honest is the honest thing I can say? Yeah. There is something wrong with the mentality of the club, and whether that's coming from the boardroom, or it's coming from the, the manager, or it's coming from the players themselves, is it coming from the fact that there's been contract nonsense for ages involving two 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 key players? You know, are the other players now going well? Is, you know, what's the point in trying because? Weddings and Bertrand go in the summer. We're going to be even worse. Mm-hmm. So they've stopped. Their motivation has gone. You know, I, I, I've been. I, I, I'm, I'm probably quite a pessimistic person, I guess. But I've said from day one, Ings isn't signing that contract because there's no logical explanation why it would take this long if he was if he wanted to sign it. So every time we the local journalists will come out and say, "Oh yeah, it's not signed yet," but you know, we we know it's close, is it? Well, it's not, is it? Because they've been saying that for months. You know, it doesn't take long to sign a contract or or meet somewhere in the middle in, in a negotiation. Mm-hmm. If, if I was Danny Ings, if, if I was him personally now, and, you know, Southampton fan growing up, et cetera, et cetera, whatever, he's 29 years old, effectively any transfer would be his last big financial yeah. game from football. Saints are playing badly, free-falling. Would I be signing the contract? Not sure I would, you yeah. know. I, I, he'll be waiting to see who who shows an interest in the summer, and if it's anyone better than us, then he'll go. I'm, I'm absolutely certain of it. Bertrand, I think, is a different matter. I think Bertrand is is probably at his last, at, at the best place he's going to be now. Yeah, you know, he's not. His career isn't going to go any higher than it is now. But Ings has still got one one shot at his going higher. So I I, I really couldn't blame him if he goes. Um, and that, I think that sort of thing does affect players mentally does affect you know the situation maybe the injuries are affecting them maybe the fact that they're mentally exhausted because there's so many games you know we play a we play a fast-paced 
game, you know, that affects that affects them mentally as well as physically. I yeah. don't know. If something isn't right and, and, and something has to change or it, it just isn't going to improve. Right, right. And and if you think about Ings, like he's, he wants to be on a plane this summer, right? If, if he's not going to the Euros, he's probably going somewhere else. And and I think that is, I'm not going to say that's that's unfair um, for him to, to, to react that way. And as you said, he's got to think about his life and, and what happens to him after this. And, and he's got really one more shot. If he wants to get in the England squad, this is probably the best chance he ever is going to have to, to, to play and represent his country um, at, at, at a major tournament. And so uh, you can't, you can't be mad at him for that. And some, sometimes I, I think, you know, Ralph, Ralph's system is, as you said, it's intense. It's uh, it's demanding both physically and mentally. And if you look at kind of what Ings is being asked to do week in, week out, um, and I mean, he did give away the penalty against Chelsea, but that was also our striker, you know, defending for, for all he's worth, basically, um, in our own box, which is something he does. He tracks back a lot. And I think all of that goes fine when you're winning. I think players will do that stuff when you're winning. But when the results stop happening and you are asking them to put them put in that much effort and, and, and kind of be both mentally switched on and, and, and physically ready to, to, to do that to yourself. Cause I, I mean, it's a lot easier to just kind of sit in two banks of four and kind of, you know, just shuffle side to side and head the ball away. Like that, that takes some energy, but not nearly as much energy as what we're, what we're doing and what we're asking the players to do. And I think when things start to go wrong, it's it's easy to see that players go like you know this might not be worth it and yeah. the, the, the problem with the way we play is that to work every single player has to be completely and utterly committed to what the next move they make it so you know for the press to work all the all, all of the players on the pitch know have to know exactly what they're supposed to do in that situation and they have to execute it and they all have to do it at the same time the second one or two of them their mentality drops or they don't concentrate and they don't do it, that's when these huge gaps appear and teams just break and, and tear us to pieces. And I think that's a, the side effect of the side effect of being on a poor run is that, 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 that it, there's a vicious circle. So the, the poorer the results are, the more pressure the players feel and the more those gaps appear. Which is yeah. why you should be looking at going, well, okay, let's, let's, let's have a couple of games where we don't play that way. Or we take the pressure off them, we play... A, a more rigid formation and we just play defensively and, and just, just soak up the pressure, pick up a couple of points and all of a sudden everyone's mentality improves. You know, it's just when you're in a rut, you can't just keep doing the same thing over and over again and just hoping it gets better because it, it isn't. You know, it, you know uh, the, the saying is something like madness is doing the same thing over and over again and expecting different results. Yeah. And that feels like what we're doing at the moment. You know, um, add to that you know, little things I don't really want to criticise Ralph on, but at the end of the day, you can pick the team. Like, why have we got fullbacks on the bench and Bednarek at right back? I just don't, I don't get it. I don't, I don't get the mentality behind that. Bednarek's great, a decent centre half. He's not a fullback in any for anyone's money. He's not a fullback. So, if you don't trust the kid, then why did we let Valerie go? I don't. It's, it's, there's so, so many odd decisions that happened at, at our football club over the last. Two, two, three months or two months, really. There's been so many odd decisions made that I just can't help feeling there's something going on behind the scenes that perhaps we don't know about. And perhaps it gives 
the likes of Ralph Hasenhutl and the likes and the players even a bit more of an excuse as to why everything's gone wrong. You know, maybe is Ralph been told players have to go? You know, was he given a choice about about Valerie going on loan and voting going on? Because it, it seems like a very odd decision to me to make as a manager to let your backup fullbacks go out on loan when you don't and not bring any in. So, you know, was he was he, was his hand forced in that respect? And that's why perhaps his motivation has dropped. And that would be a reasonable reasonable thing for that to have happened. You know, if, he's, if his hands are tied and his squad is being sort of dismantled in front of him, you can't play Premier League football with two fullbacks. It just doesn't, it doesn't work. And especially the way we play, right. players get injured because it's high, it's, it's high intensity. There's no surprise. The injury should be of no surprise to anybody because of the way we play. And the, the, the games just come thick, thick and fast at the moment. You know, I think I think one thing that Ralph got very right was we were one of the best we were one of the best prepared teams for lockdown. So when when lockdown happened and then they brought the football back, we were one of the best teams that, that adapted to it. You know, we like we were we, we I think we lost one game at the end of last season. You know, behind closed doors. Yeah, and we just looked really good. And we adapted to it perfectly. And then the start of this season, we had a little wobble, but then we were good again. And I wonder if we just got a little bit lucky in that we adapted to, lock, to coming out of lockdown better than other clubs did. And now other clubs have started catching up. And they're now better suited to it. I don't know. I, 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 don't, I don't want to overanalyze it because right. it you know, just drives yourself mad. But it, I can't fathom how we've gone from looking so good. You know, we were top of the league. It sounds, it sounds crazy now. We look, we, we look so good, and we just now we look so bad. Yeah. And I don't say that a few injuries does that. I, I just don't. It, uh, they don't help by by any means, but they don't create this sort of company of happiness that we've had to suffer for the last month. You know, people people I always put on there. Oh, we haven't won a league. We haven't won a league game for eight games, and people always reply, "Oh, but we've won three cup games." Right. Well, sorry, but. Shrewsbury are in League One. Arsenal didn't put their best team out and didn't really try, and neither did Wolves. You know, for if either Arsenal or Wolves had approached those games differently, we wouldn't even have that to fall back on. Right. One of them would have knocked. One of them would have knocked us out. Both of those teams beat us the game after in the league. You know, the the FA Cup is the one thing that's left in our season, and I just think we've been quite lucky to have got as far as we have. You know. We, would you put money on a feet in Bournemouth in the in the quarterfinal? I'm not sure I would at the moment. Yeah, it's it's a difficult situation because we'll we'll play Bournemouth and they'll be up they'll be up for it and they'll try and win. There's no doubt about that. Right, and that's a different situation to, to, to the games of Arsenal Wolves were. You know, I, the cup games have to be sort of treat, treated almost differently. It'd be great. You know, this may be I'm sitting here now, sort of giving Ralph a bit of a hard time, and. It's still possible he takes a 25 Cup final, but you know that doesn't always swing things. Uh, Peel, Peel took us to a League Cup final and still gets spoken about, you know, with such disdain. It's, it's actually quite crazy. Mm-hmm. So let's see. I'd love I'd love him to get us to an FA Cup final, but what I don't want to happen is he gets us to an FA Cup final, we get a player sent off in the first five minutes, and we get beat nine nil. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> kind of like on the biggest stage in the world, you know. Yeah. Well, and 
in the the I mean, you want to think about it in terms of like a, a relationship, right? Like you're if you're sticking yeah. around just because of the cup run, like that's like staying in a really bad toxic relationship because the sex is good. Like yeah, it's not a great yeah. it's not a great yeah. thing. And I don't mean to be yeah. oh, that's too crass for hopefully anybody listening, but um and and I'm I'll, I'll I mean, I think you know this, but I'm I'm I I don't know what where to go after after Ralph and and I'm not asking you to tell me, you know, who, who gets the job. And I'm not, I'm still maybe in the, in the boat where I think this, he's the best manager we can, we can possibly have. But I definitely think there are things at the club that do not make sense that are not, they're not helping. I don't, and I think it's a, you know, I don't want to, I don't want to put this all on Ralph, but he's definitely got in, in terms of injuries. Some of that is on him. Um, we watched how many minutes, Danny Ings played, um, you know, game after game after game, not coming off, making, you know, one substitution, a second substitution in the 92nd minute, um, you know, guys just being run out. And, you know, they have all the data. They have to be looking at at how these guys' bodies are reacting. And you know that when you overtrain at some point, you the, the risk of her injury becomes becomes far, far too great. And I mean, Arsene Wenger five, six, seven, ten years ago was saying, you know, the guys are in the red zone. They can't play. They're not, you know, we have to rest players. And so that stuff's been around for a long time. And that's, that's been one of those things with Ralph that I think the style of play, the lack of, of being willing to rotate players is, is, uh, is causing some of these things. And just looking, you know, just, just at his managerial history, the 47 players he's used at Saints are more than he's used in any other squad. So this is definitely part of what he likes. He doesn't like to use um, a ton of players. He's now also been in charge at Saints uh, for more matches than he's been at any other club. Uh, He has his lowest points per game return at Saints versus any other club. So, But it's not necessarily miles lower, but it definitely is. uh, It is lower. And so I think you can see some of these some of these things uh, you know, we've had 40 losses, only 37 wins under his, under his, uh, under his management. And I think the, the players are, uh, you know, just being pushed, I think, to the limit and him not, not changing things. I think that that's part of it. And, you know, Romeo breaks his ankle or breaks a bone in his ankle. That's not necessarily on Ralph because that's a, that's a bone injury. But, but, you know, you look at, at Ings, you look at how Walker Peters, you look at uh, the number of hamstring injuries that, that Janapo has suffered and, and everything else. And it's, it's one of those things where you, you have to, you have to look at the manager and say, like, you have to do something about this. Cause you can't just, like you said earlier, continue to do the same thing and, and, and expect that it's just going to turn out. Okay. Cause it's, it's obviously it, it's not happening. Um, just like, you know, points per game from Ralph all the way down to, to Pochettino. Um, Ralph averages 1.35 uh, points per match. Hughes only 0.96, which made me laugh. Um, but Pellegrino 1.09, Puel 1.38. Claude Puel more points per game than than Hasenhul barely, but there. Kuman 1.64, Pochettino 1.45. But obviously inherited a much different squad. Um, a squad yeah. coming up from the championship, so you, you give him a little bit of a of leeway there. But the, uh, go ahead, sorry. The crazy thing, Matt, is uh, Pochettino used to get so much more shit from fans and not having a plan B. Yeah, you know, 
I can't believe anyone would argue with me that Pochettino isn't a better manager than Ralph Hasnett is. I think his you know, record since he's been at Saints has proved that he, he certainly is. So it's, it's, uh, this whole emotional buy-in with Ralph that fans have got, it really, really means that he, he gets away with stuff that previous managers didn't get away with right. in, ter- in terms of how they treat him and how they speak about him. It's, it's quite interesting. It's quite an interesting psychological thing that's happened where, you know, technically his record, as we just read out, isn't that much better than some other Saints managers. But his, the vision that has been created of him in the fans' eyes is so much different. And a lot of that is because the football is, is attractive to watch. And, you know, the football is an entertainment game in the end of the day. People like to watch entertaining football. So that's why the, the positive view of him is probably overloads other managers. But Pochettino played attractive football as well, and he got loads more of it yeah. than Ralph gets. So is it just about the, the personable nature that he has and the way that he interacts with the fans and, you know, he come, always comes and does, you know, the jazz hands at the end of the, at the, end of the game? Is it just, you know, almost like parlor tricks? with people that, that get people on side. You know, there's interesting psychology to it. Um, I think because I'm like almost emotionally retarded, I, I just don't buy into it, Brad. I don't, I don't, things like that don't bother me as much about, you know, a lot of people were, were sort of thought it was amazing that he cried on the pitch. For me, that was something that was a little bit cringeworthy that I didn't want to see from the manager. Other people thought it was, oh, look how much he loved the club. You know, I didn't quite see it like that. So everyone has different opinions and, sure. and you know, how, how things are react. So I, I do think he gets away with a lot of stuff that previous managers wouldn't have got away with in, in, in the way he's spoken about. But to, to sort of bring it back to what you said about who would, who, who comes in, if you get rid of Ralph Hasnick, who comes in? Um, I think we have to be real here. I don't think Saints can afford to sack him even if they wanted to. So I don't think there's any danger that they are going to sack him. And, you know, part of me still thinks he's probably earned the right to try and finish this season. Um, but if come the end of the season, we have got been anywhere close to being relegated, then I think the club would have to take a serious look at whether he's the man to take us forward. And maybe he's reached his glass ceiling as, as a Saints manager. And in terms of who you replace him with, for me... There's no obvious candidate, of course, but there's, there's one available manager who would instantly make us into a better side, and that's Rafa Benitez. Um, could we afford him? I don't know. Would he be interested? Well, maybe not, but he did manage Newcastle, so there's, there's, there would be a chance, I think. And then the other, the other options I would look at is, I mean, why not give someone like Steven Gerrard a go? You know, the, the job he's done with Rangers in Scotland to turn, to turn them from also Rans to dominating that league, it can't, can't be sniffed at. Why not give someone like that a go? Why not give Lampard a go? You know, Lampard wasn't doing a disastrous job at Chelsea before he got sacked. You know, Chelsea sacked you for anything. Mm-hmm. So there is, I don't buy the, that there's no options out there. I buy that it, it's not the easiest thing and, you know, there's a there will be a gamble on whether you're replacing somebody that's actually better than Ralph Hasenhutl, unless it's Benitez. No, no one, no, I'm not going to listen to anyone who tells me Benitez wouldn't be a better option. You know, that, that his CV speaks for itself. Yeah. Um, but Gerard Lampard, of course, would be gambles. But do you, what do you do? Do you, do you sit there stubbornly and say, oh, well, there's no one better, so we'll just stay, we'll just stay as we are and just watch the club slowly go down the path? You know, I, I say all this 
with the, with the caveat that I will be as happy as anyone else if we beat Everton on Monday and we go on a little run and he turns it around and we all go, okay, we had a blip and all's forgiven and we go back to normal. But if we, if we speak again in a year's time and we've just been beat 8-0 by Man City and we're on a terrible run again, you know, what's the point? Are we just going to go round in circles? Mm-hmm. Um, that's the way I look at it. I know, I know it's not popular often with people, but, you know, I, I'll be honest. If I was chairman of Stakes, I'd have sacked him straight after the league game. But that's me. Yeah. Uh, everyone's different. Like I said, whether the club can afford to sack him is another matter. Um, but who knows? Try and, try and, try and be jolly about something. Yeah. Um, it'd be a shame. It would be a, it would be a huge shame if he ended his time at Saints on a negative note because I do think he's done good things. I do think he's brought a lot of joy, a lot of entertainment to the club, and I do think he's a, a, a decent guy. You know, his, his intentions are definitely good. Yeah. But intentions are you know are one thing. Delivery is is something different, and it, it may be that bringing it back to mentality, it may be that maybe his mentality just isn't strong enough. Maybe he feels the pressure. Maybe, you know, he's affected himself by his boys. If you're a manager and you lose 9-0 twice, that's got to affect you. That's got to affect the way you approach the next game. You know, if, if he's on the touchline and we're playing Man City and, uh, you know, Bednarik gets sent off after two minutes, you know, how is that going to affect him in terms of his mentality? He's going to be like, well, this could be 10 or 12-0 the way Man City is playing at the moment. Yeah. If we give them a match, like, it, it's got to be, either either he's got to change his approach in some way, he's got to be, or he's got to find something different, a different way of speaking to players or, or something, because, you know, something's got to give. I don't want to, I don't want to be sat here in a, another sort of two weeks time and we've, you know, another three games have gone by and we've got, and we haven't got any points. Yeah. And still people will be on Twitter going, you know, keep the faith of Ralph. It's like, well, keep the faith is a, is a sort of non-plus statement. I used to put it at the end of all my blog posts, but it was for me. It, for me, to keep the faith meant with the, the club, you know, as, as an entity, not yeah. with one human being. You know, no no man is bigger than the club. No no man should be guaranteed their position at the club if, if if things aren't going right. And that's where I think the club needs to be a little bit more pragmatic and say. If, if things aren't going right, then unfortunately, as, as disappointing as it will be and as difficult it might be, a conversation to happen, then maybe it, it, it's time to change something. Yeah, yeah. Um, just one more time to hit on the, the relationship uh, aspect of this. You know, if you're staying with somebody just because you don't see anybody else out there better for you at the moment, probably not a great, yeah. probably not a great thing, right? Like, I'm, I'm you know, I, I think that Ralph Hasenhutl has done, as you said, good things for the club initially. And I think that um, if you look at, at, at maybe what the nine nils and some of the other things that have happened um, under his, or during his time at Saints, you can see it on the touchline. You can see the changes in his, in his face and his reaction. And he is, is somebody who definitely wears his emotions kind of uh, out. He's out there, out there. And, you know, sometimes he talks after, after, uh, matches and you can just hear the the dejection in his voice and you can hear the um you know those swings and I think that that can like he can be a great manager and still have it not work with this group of players you know the, the managers tend to run their course 
over a couple of seasons, two, three seasons with, with a team. And then, then you just need a change. It doesn't even need to be that it has to be a quote unquote better manager for the team to improve, right? Like even if you bring in somebody yeah. like Lampard or Gerard who maybe haven't proven themselves, it just could be that injection of new ideas is enough to, uh, you know, just, just a different energy around the club might be enough to just kick the guys into gear a little bit. And I think Ralph initially kind of, kind of did that, you know, he, his, his enthusiasm, that all of that energy that he had, I think really helped the club. And I think maybe over, over a time period, it just is, is too much. It, it, it is, you know, it can wear on you. It's, it's like, you know, you meet people who are great to hang out with and do all that stuff for a while. And you're like, you know, I can take this, this guy, but only, you know, in small doses, he's great at parties. I don't really want to deal with him on a day-to-day basis. And, and if that's the way it is, I think that's fine. I don't think that anybody has to like, you know, it, Ralph doesn't have to be a terrible manager or a terrible person to, to just have it not work out, you know? Yeah. I mean, I mean, the whole thing with wearing your emotions on your sleeve, that's great when, when the team's winning and you're, you know, punching the air and you're running towards the supporters and you're raising the hands up and, and that's great because that, that, that works in your favor and everyone gets behind you. But at the same, the same time, when something negative is happening, you've got to take that on the chin. That you're going to, you're now, that's now going to be used as a stick to beat you with. Like, like you say, he's, he's, you're, you're 100% correct. Not only, you know, he, he managers, when we've lost the game or we've, we've had a bad result, he, his, his face needs to be stuck me and, and distinct with what he's saying, not visibly showing that he's, you know, gutted, because it, it just sends the wrong message. You know, so many managers in the past have been, have been a lot better than that. You know, Mourinho's, Mourinho's very good at it. He can, he can show his emotion at times, but he can also be so, you know, deadpan and, and when, when he's lost the game, he doesn't give it, he doesn't give anything away. And I think that, that, there's nothing, there's nothing wrong with showing emotions, but sometimes you need to try and keep that in check. And you're, you're right with what you said. He's, he's gone from being, you know, a sort of larger than life character almost to being someone who stood on the sidelines and just looks lost. Yeah. And, you know, that can't be a good situation for, for the club or for him personally, because that's, that's, not, that's not a healthy position to be in. Right, right. Um, well, we kind of have made our way through a lot of the questions that were, were sent in um, just over the course of our conversation, but I just want to quickly kind of read them out. Um, Al Capone156 says, when Ralph first came in, he started getting the best from some players uh, who were below par. Redmond, James Ward-Prowse, Bednarak. Um, and we kind of talked about it. The, the rest of the question goes, how can he inspire the guys to improve their play, have some confidence and not give up in the second half? Uh, I know that's pretty broad, he says. Um, but I think we've, we've kind of discussed that, and, and I'm not sure. I, I think if, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think kind of what you, I think, have hinted at is it might be that, that Ralph has tried that and that his actual approach isn't, isn't succeeding with the guys at, at this point. I think when it was working, the players were sort of buying completely into what he was saying. And I, I, I'm worried that perhaps that isn't the case now because they're not buying into what he's saying. And, you know, they, you know it must be... For those players that walked off at Old Trafford, um, some of them would have played it against Leicester as well. You know, they, they're walking off. They must be thinking... I don't believe for a second that some of the players in that game weren't thinking, well, why are we not... Why are you not changing the shape? Why are you not telling us to do this? Why is he, why are you leaving things as they are? You know, I know he had kids on the bench, but I wonder if the players now are questioning his decisions and his, 
And as soon as that happens, they're not going to they're, they're going to they're not going to perform for him, and they're not going to improve under him because they're they're just not listening to what he's saying. I, I, I think something something's lost in translation, perhaps, at the club, and I'd, and I'd love to be able to pinpoint exactly what it is, but the reality is, I think it's probably a combination of many things. Yeah, yeah, I, th- I think that's fine. Um, uh, Acapone one five six also asks. He says, you know, talked about contracts a little bit, but how big of a role do you think? Ings and Bertrand not signing, like what message do you think that sends to the rest of the players in the squad? Well, I, I think I, I, I certainly think it doesn't help. Um, I mean, you would you would like to believe that someone who's a professional athlete playing, you know, elite level football wouldn't be affected by such things and wouldn't know that they've got their job to do. But probably are, unfortunately. And I think you know, Ings is, you know. Let's not be around the bush. Ings is the, the star of the team, if you like. Mm-hmm. He's the LeBron James of the team, or whatever you want to say. He's the, he's the number one focal point that anyone else outside looking in is, is looking at. And Bertrand is one of the senior pros, probably one of the leaders in the dressing room. Yeah. So it's two people that, if there's a chance they're not going to be here next year, other players are going to be thinking, well, you know, that's going to be a big problem for us because, you know, they're, they're our friends. Do they're the people in the dressing room that we rely on to, you know, keep spirits up and, and keep the team going and, 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 have, and have huge experience? You know, if they go and we've got two kids come in, you know, it's another, it's another battle. So I do think they're affected by it. Um, I don't know. I mean, I, Redmond's an interesting one. As I mentioned, like, he's be getting a lot, lot of more game time than perhaps he deserves at the moment based on form. I'm not a Redmond knocker usually, but I think there's something weird about that. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I think there's a lot of things going on that players will, will be affecting players. I think if you're Kane Ramsey, I think if you're a young right-back sitting on the bench while a centre-half plays right-back, I think you worry about things like that. I think if you're a stri- if, I think if you're the best striker at the club and you're on the bench against Leeds and Redmond's up front, I think you worry about that. Um, I just find, you know, just everything about the decisions being made around the club are strange at the moment. And I think while contracts may be affecting them, I think it, that's probably just sort of one dent in the in the problem. Yeah. Um, I think I think it's many things. It's a combination of many things, and the contract is just another another thing that's weighing over the over the club like a dark cloud. Yeah. Um, and I mean, I'll I'll be very surprised if if the Ings one ever gets signed. Uh, the Bertram one may well do. I, I think the Ings one is probably lost. Yeah, yeah. And, and I think we can acknowledge that there are other things going on around the club that are not making Ralph's life any easier. Um, of course, of course. And, and yeah, and, and, and some, some of the patrons of the show written in, we, we talked about it, and I just want to acknowledge that, but we're, we agree. Um, but I, I guess... I mean, how much do you miss Gaston Ramirez? Just to finish this off, do you miss him as much as, as Dave McNally does? I don't. I don't miss him at all. Um, Dave McNally is a, a former military colleague of mine, and he's a Middlesbrough supporter, so he also suffered Gaston Ramirez. So it's kind of a he's having a little joke about that. Yeah. Um, no, I don't miss. I don't miss Gaston Ramirez at all. He, he's rubbish. Yeah. Uh, well, he'd fit right in uh, at this point. Uh, yeah. With, with, uh, with the way we're playing. He's sort of, his mopey, sulky sort of demeanor would probably suit us quite well at the moment. Yeah, yeah, um, but yeah. I mean, I mean, Chris, I just want to say thanks, man. Like, I, I, I've been looking forward to this. 
Um, you know, I, I'll be honest, I drank entirely too much last night, uh, but I was still excited to get up this morning and, and, and talk to you about this. And I hope that, um, I hope I, I hope I've made a little bit of sense in, in the way that I, that I've asked questions or whatever. And if I didn't, I apologize. And I, you know, I gotta get my life together and do it again sometime. No, thanks to you too. I, I really wanted to come on. I know we spoke uh, a little while ago about coming on because you know, there's only so much you can say in, in sort of 140 character tweets or whatever it is. Yeah. And you know, the worst thing that happens on Twitter is you put something and then it's so for people to misinterpret what you say. Yeah. And then you've only got so many characters to reply and, and you end up in this sort of mess where you're asking somebody when actually you're both agree you you both got the same point, you're just putting it a different way. So it's great to be able to come on and talk and just sort of maybe put a bit of weight behind what I'm trying to say on Twitter. I, I've been building this up as, as what I've been calling a heel turn because uh, generally I'm quite positive, I think, as a fan, you know, I'm not I'm not overly negative. I like to think I'm somewhere in the middle. I don't get too, but really recently, I, I I just found myself more siding with the people I don't usually side with on Twitter, which is very alien to me. So the people that I sometimes see that tweet negatively all the time, and I find myself being annoyed by them, I've suddenly found myself thinking, oh, you know, they've got a point about this. And uh, so that's what that was what I was building up saying. It was like a heel turn. I was just uh, hit Randy Savage with a chair and uh, joined the join the bad guys with it. Um, and, it's, it, and, it, and, it, and it, you know, it's true what they say. It's quite cool to be a bad guy sometimes. I don't mind, so, I don't mind soaking up a bit of criticism on the, on the tweets and stuff because, you know, if we, if we all, if we all blindly back the manager and we just keep losing and losing and losing, it, it's going to achieve nothing. Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, I don't know. It, 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 it it's hard sometimes to be, to say things that are going to be like that, you know, that are going to be unpopular and, and try to put them in a way that doesn't come across just as being, you know, it's not a hot take, yeah. right? You're, you're not, you're not interested in that. I don't think you're doing I'm that. Not, I think. Yeah. It's not a personal, I'm not, it's not a personal attack on, on Ralph Hussner. I don't have anything against him personally. I just think, I think every manager should be open to the same criticisms as any other. And for some reason, he doesn't get criticized for the, for the things that other managers we've previously had did get criticized for. Mm-hmm. And I find that just a bit unfair. So I, I almost find myself intentionally fighting back again. Um, and, you know, that's not not because I want to wind people up as such, but sometimes I, I, I find the, the, the unnecessary over-the-top level of support a bit confusing, I guess, because, you know, He's just another man that's managing the football club. He, you know, we've had so many in the past. We've had so many in the past that some have been good, some have been bad, and they've all put what they've all consistently had is the same sort of level of um, uh, analysis on them, and the same and been criticised. If they have a bad, bad run, they get criticised. If they have a good run, they get praised. Ralph Hasner all seems to be, although I think it is slowly changing, but he has been in this bubble where. You're allowed to praise him, but if you criticise him, you're seen as some sort of sort of naysayer, um, you know, bad guy, and yeah. that shouldn't be the case. Because as soon as anyone, you know, be the same with a, lead, a world leader, a, pre- a president, or a prime minister, or whatever, as soon as it becomes you're not allowed to criticise them, then you're you're in some sort of weird dictatorship, right? Um, and and that shouldn't be allowed, you know. And perhaps the the way you think me to. Uh, uh, make changes is to look at whether the relationship between Martin Simmons and Ralph Hasselbeck was actually healthy from a business point of view. Or is this a guy, you know, they're such good friends that, that Ralph is 
as the Telegraph puts it, got the safest job in the Premier League. Yeah. Which cannot be healthy, and no matter how anyone looks at it, that can't be a healthy situation. No, no. There, there's. Yeah. I think it's one thing to come out after the first nine nil and and tell him, you know, we'll give you time to fix this, you know, or you know, let's fix this or whatever. Exactly. Yeah. But it's different to just go to not have any. I guess if there's just no chance that you're you're gonna lose your job, probably, like you know, if I could show up, if I could show up and, and not teach kids for for a year year on end and just 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 sit in class and just go like you know, you're not gonna fire me, like that's not good for anybody, you know. I think he's probably benefiting from the fact that that Gal doesn't give a shit <laughs> because because if Gal cared, that he would probably be phoning Martin Simmons up and saying, "Why is this guy still the coach? Yeah. You know, <laughs> we're losing every week. I don't want to get relegated. Yeah, you know, get rid of him." But I think Gal literally doesn't couldn't care less. Yeah. So you know that Simmons and Simmons is running the club, and I'm not criticising Martin Simmons as such. I don't think he's doing a bad job of running the club. But it's him and Ralph for two pallets. That becomes a situation where it's too awkward for him to fire him. Yeah. Um, and that we that that isn't you know we shouldn't have that. If you, right. I don't know if you've watched the the, the Tottenham documentary on uh, on uh, uh, Amazon Prime. I did. Uh, All or nothing. All or nothing. Yeah. So if you see in that, you know. Pochettino and Daniel Levy are supposed to be quite pally, but when the act had to be wielded, Daniel Levy did it without without question. Mm-hmm. And I wonder, you know, perhaps we haven't got someone as ruthless as that yeah. in charge. And I'm not I'm not saying I want someone like Daniel Levy because I don't. But, yeah. But you know, there has to be there has to be a happy medium somewhere. Yeah. Yeah. yeah absolutely. Absolutely. Um, but I I just want to say thanks again, man. Like this has been this has been great. It's been nice just to catch catch up with you uh and then you add the podcast on top of it and it's it's been quite good hopefully um dog and kids in the background haven't been haven't been too much but um uh, if people want to follow you on twitter uh it's at cr stig the link of course is in the show notes uh for people that don't already although i assume uh maybe i don't know i, I assume people if you're listening to this you probably they probably already follow you but um it's been a pleasure and and uh you know congratulations on being back in the uk um, back closer home. You know, you're not all the way on the Isle of Wight, but you're 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 closer than you were. So hopefully, no, I'm in I'm in Southampton, funnily enough. Yeah, actually in Southampton now, which is which is a happy coincidence that sort of wasn't planned, but has happened. So yeah. when they open the stage, I can be there giving my opinion a bit more openly. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I I look forward to that, and uh, I look forward to talking to you again in the future. Yeah, it's been great, mate. Thanks. that does it for this week's episode of the Southampton Delivery Podcast. Thank you so much for joining us. I hope you've enjoyed it. Special thanks this week goes out to Chris Rand. You can find on Twitter at CRStig. There's a link to that in the show notes. And even if you are not one of the people that's going to agree with his, his views on the situation, remember that we're all fans of the club. We all want the same thing for the club. We want the club to be successful. Uh, we just have different ideas about how that may actually happen. Some people want Ralph to go. Some people want Gao to go. Some people want everything to stay the same. Some people want new players. We have lots of issues around the club, but just remember that we are all fans. We all want the same thing. So try to stick together as hard as it is sometimes. Um, I don't like listening to everybody's opinion either. I challenge myself and you to do that or just mute them and then you don't have to listen if you are planning on coming back and not muting this show you can do that by visiting southamptondelivery.com there you can find links to listen in whatever podcast app you use you can also share the show so you can send it to somebody else who you think may actually enjoy it 
partners of the show make this thing possible. So thank you to the Southampton page on Twitter and the Saints Archive, which you can follow on Twitter, Instagram, and join their group on Facebook to help you connect with fans, staff, and players from the Southampton Football Club. The show's logo is done by Matt Beeling of the We Are Southampton page on Instagram. All music comes courtesy of the Free Music Archive at freemusicarchive.org. The intro song is Epic Song by Boxcat Games and the end of show credits that you listen to right now is Aim is True by Huntington Bear. Special shout out to all the patrons of the show. You get extra episodes, but you also make sure the show stays on the air and I appreciate that. So uh, that does it for this week. We'll be back next time. And until then, remember that together, march on.